Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Stark Fringe Radio. And welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, your number one spot for the conspiratorial, paranormal, macabre, strange, and unusual. And of course, every week I do this with my co-host, Jay Galosi. Jay, what's going on, brother? Just another sunny, sunny day, sir. Yeah, another sunny day, man. And we got a great podcast for you guys tonight. We're going to be interviewing an author by the name of Miss Wendy Moxley Rowe. And uh, she wrote a book, Jay, called Haunted Joliet Prison. And uh, it's about an old prison in Joliet, Illinois. And uh, it's pretty interesting, so we're going to be talking to her all about that and some of the stuff she's done there. And uh, so it'll be a really cool episode for everybody tonight. And um, of course, uh, before I get into all that, I'll have to do a little intro and uh, tell everybody where they can listen to the podcast. You can go directly to our podcast website, which is darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. You can go there and uh, pick any of the links. Uh, They're all right there at the top for you. Uh, We are streaming on every major platform. Jay, I don't know if you know this or not. But uh, we recently just got onto iHeartRadio, so uh, we're on the big, big, big daddy platform what? of iHeartRadio. Yeah, man, so you can check us out there. Um, again, we're on every major streaming service. Um, talk about iTunes, Google Play, St- uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all the big daddies, we're on top of there. So uh, just look up Dark Fringe Radio, go to any one of those, and make sure you subscribe. Uh, give us a five-star rating, and uh, we really appreciate that. It helps us out with uh, the podcast or advertiser. So um, that's pretty much it. And, of course, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, if you want to send any correspondence over to us or if you want to be a guest on our show, uh, you can send that to, uh, to me directly at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. So uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio where you're posting stuff there on a daily basis. So uh, keep up to date with all the stuff that we're doing uh, right there. So uh, that's it for the intro, Jay. Uh, you want to get right into what uh, Florida Man? How's that sound? Oh, we can definitely do that. We'll oh. do that for sure. <laughs> Florida Man. A Florida Man. A Florida Man. A Florida Man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly and... This time, it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him, and he says Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lake Worth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. All the shit, man. All right, Jay, so what do you have this week for What the F Florida Man? You're going to like this one, Will. Oh, boy. Drunk Florida woman punched out glass window after she attacked her boyfriend because he refused to her sexual advances. Wow. She so, wanted the dangling, and he said, no, ma'am. <laughs> so he said, no, ma'am, no service, and she went basically apeshit, huh? She went apeshit. Uh, he walked out of the house. She punched the front windows with her hands. He went next door. She come over hitting him. He pushed her for self-defense. Uh, and... And then uh, the officer smelled the alcohol on her breath. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. I knew she was definitely drunk um, and probably uh, inebriated in other ways as well. Um, so what uh, happened to this uh, lovely uh, young lady? Uh, she is currently waiting bail. <laughs> She's waiting for that D too, right? She's not getting either. Sounds like. <laughs> I I mean I don't know shit might happen the fuck I I never I never been incarcerated I don't know what happened behind those bars so. you never know maybe never she got the maybe, maybe she got what she needed and maybe. she's okay that way and now she's just waiting for a her loins have been have been extinguished uh but yeah no, that's an interesting story Jay wow I mean that's it's that's a like an upside down kind of flip version because normally 
it's usually the guy who would do some kind of crazy shit like that, right? You don't normally hear a woman kind generally. of going, yeah, generally, you know what I mean? In a story like that, you know, if you were to just to kind of look at it from the outside, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was a guy and a girl, right? And what happened? No, this was a girl and a guy. So, uh, wow. So that's a pretty uh, pretty interesting. And where was this at, Jay? We're in Florida? Declan, Florida. Destin, you said? Declan. Oh, okay. There you go. Destin, we're up in the middle. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, well, there you go. Out in the middle of nowhere, Florida. That's what you get. So, again, uh, Jay, that's a gr- great story for what the F Florida woman and uh, didn't get that D, so she went uh, she went ape shit. So there you go, man. What a woman. Uh, anyway. I, you know, I, I guess when when they need the pogo stick, they want the pogo stick, sir. <laughs> Don't deny their urges, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. So. <laughs> well, anyways, listen, that brings us to, um, of course, uh, our interview here uh, with uh, Wendy Moxley Rose. She's an author. Uh, she's a photographer. Uh, she's a historian. You know, she's uh, she likes to go to all these cemeteries and stuff like that. And um, she um, first got her interest into this whole thing uh, by uh, going to Bachelors Grove Cemetery, Jay. And uh, it's a cemetery uh, in her hometown. And she talks about it. And they actually came up with a website, uh, basically she, you know, chronicling all the stuff that she picked up uh, throughout the time that she was there. That's at uh, the path. Uh, to bachelorsgrove.com. So you can go right directly to that website, the path to bachelorsgrove.com. And uh, you can see all her stuff there. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this interview here with Miss Wendy Moxley Rowe. Hi, this is John Davis from the Flatter Society at theflattersociety.org. And you're listening to Dark Fringe Radio. Our guest tonight is a photographer, a history buff, cemetery enthusiast, and paranormal investigator. She is best known for her work uh, with Bachelors Grove Cemetery in Midlothian, Illinois. She met her research partner, Carl Kay, at that very cemetery in 2012. And together they designed and built and maintained the Path to the Bachelor's Grove, which includes a website uh, that you all can go to. And uh, it's a traveling exhibit and multiple social media sites dedicated to the Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. And uh, of course, through this tedious research, Wendy has pieced together much forgotten history and the burials of, uh, of course, Bachelor's Grove Cemetery and the surrounding settlement, which is very important. And uh, you can see the collection as work as always in progress on their website at the path to bachelorsgrove.com. And this is, of course, is a research site with many photos uh, where there's a large part of the History Press 2016 book, Haunted Bachelors Grove Cemetery. So it's a great place, a great resource. You guys got to definitely check that out. And of course, in the spring of 2014, uh, Wendy met the old Joliet prison for the first time. And this is what we're actually going to be talking about tonight. Her book comes out September 21st, I believe. And uh, we're really excited about that. And uh, that visit that day started six years of exploration during which she collected uh, all this research that appeared in this book that we're going to be talking about. Uh, in the spring of 2019, Wendy launched uh, the Tombstone Travels. It's a blog site to the house uh, at the cemetery. Uh, historical and paranormal stories uh, that she was writing at the same time. And the blog site, uh, which which is actually the catalyst of this book, uh, The Haunted Joliet Prison. So please welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, after that very long introduction, Miss Wendy Moxigro. How are you, Wendy? I'm good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. I for appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. And of course, Wendy, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I ask everybody that is involved in this kind of work, what got you into the paranormal? What's, uh, what started you in this whole thing? It was actually Bachelor's Grove. Okay. I, um, my family always, uh, my father is a huge history buff. Um, and having lived and grown up in an area um, that he and my mother both grew up, my grandparents grew up, uh, my dad was always my parents actually were always very interested in genealogy um history and local legends and and ghost stories so that's where it started um i moved to the chicago suburbs in the fall i think it was august of 2008 
And then in 2012, August of 2012, uh, it was actually my daughter that uh, she was 16 at the time and had been asking me to take her to this place called Bachelor's Grove. Right. And uh, when I walked in there that day, I met Carl. So um, that was what started it all. And mm -hmm. it was just, uh, it was meant to be. Um, mm -hmm. I, everything that happened that day, I got there about one o'clock. It was raining. Uh, I always tell people that it just kind of fell into my lap and the rest is history. Gotcha, gotcha. Same thing yeah. happened with the prison, so. Uh, that's where it started. Carl had been um, and knew more people and mm -hmm. like, you know, the pair of Wild there in Chicago. And he introduced me to a lot of that. And it was a gradual thing, uh, you know, doing the, I just found that I had this incredible knack for digging out some of these things. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's where it began. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It's led to all this. Yeah, that, that's a great thing. That's a great start and a great beginning. You know, everybody has their own yeah. beginning. And that's why I always love uh, asking that question to people who are into yeah. this. Kind of well, thing. it was very significant for me. Um, I was always kind of a quiet person in my life. And uh, I, it really brought me out of my shell. I didn't have a lot of friends moving from state, you know, to state. And uh, it really was a life-changing thing um, when I went in there and met him. And now, you know, it's just become this huge thing, huge part of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, apparently, yeah. I mean, listen, this is what uh, a book that you wrote now. This is, is this your first book? Yes. 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 My, my research for Bachelor's Grove and the photos and whatnot, um, mm -hmm were published in Haunted Bachelors Grove by the same company, the History Press. Gotcha. Uh, so that kind of was part of it. I kind of knew the routine. And when I decided I had all this information, I had just been compiling for six years. And uh, I reached out to them uh, to see if they would be interested in, you know, having, I had already written part of it. Uh, I was going to do like a blog series for Tombstone Travels. And it started with the singing ghost uh, phenomenon from Joliet Prison in the convict cemetery. And once I wrote all of that and I was writing these blogs, I thought, I can do this. <laughs> and so I reached out to them. They were interested. And here we are. That's awesome. No, it's a great story. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Let's rewind a bit. And um, I wanted to ask you a question about Bachelor's Grove. Um, what was your first impression of that place when you, when you got there? I, I was, I don't even think I can find a word to describe it. I went in there um, and I just had to know more. It really, it, it got into me. Same thing with the prison, um, you know, with Carl and whatnot. And I just kind of wanted to, it just gets into you. And this is the phenomena that other people talk about. Um, Carl and I launched a, um, a survey on uh, Survey Monkey, I think it was, and it's been several years ago now. Uh, we've had, I think, like 750 responses, and like 75% of the people mm -hmm. replied that they felt the need to go back there after their first visit. Mm -hmm. um, we've had people say that they're just driving and they're like 20 miles away and all of a sudden they get this urge and drive mm -hmm. and they're at the cemetery. Wow. So it, apparently it's a common phenomena that happens with people when they go in there. Um, for me, it was, it was really bizarre because I, I met him and we began talking and he began telling me about the place and all this. And um, one of the biggest things was, is I had this dream about the cemetery within the first couple of weeks. And um, I was walking down the path and it was nighttime and I laid in the middle of the cemetery and these leaves and flowers and just kind of encompassed me and lifted me up. And it was really weird because I felt like I was a part of all of it, the place. Oh, wow. And it really, yeah, it really had Thinking about it now, back then it was just a weird dream to me, but yeah, yeah. it was um, moved me to the point where I wrote it down. And um, 
Yeah, so it was a, a big thing, and it just, uh, the place, I felt protective of it. Um, there's a sad feeling in there, and I immediately felt like I needed to do something for it, I think. Wow. You know, so, that kind of, yeah, yes. yeah, protective. You automatically have this connection to this place, obviously, uh, as much yeah, like immediately. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's the first. How 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 soon? Like right away, as soon as you got there. As soon as I stepped on the path, I was with my daughter and her um, her best friend, mm-hmm. and we. I have pictures all along, and I just as soon as I stepped foot on, it was like an electric feeling. Yeah, you know, yeah. I knew we were. It's the same thing for the prison. I talk about this a little in the book. How I just knew this place was significant. Mm. That's you know that was the feeling I got. There was something about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I totally understand what you're talking about. Let me ask you this: um, Did you ever have any of these uh, empathic type of? Uh, feelings before anywhere else, you know, in your life that you ever visited? or is You know, I never r- really learned that. I think so. Um, I never pursued anything. In, I can't recall certain incidences, but I always knew that it was a little weird and sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm very good and in tune with people, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, a lot of you know, mediums out there, they have her in tune with spirits or, right. or whatnot. For me, it's live people. Living. <laughs> you know, I'm very connected. Yeah, it's yeah. strange, isn't it? No, no. But, the, um, yeah. Yeah. Once I, I learned a little more about that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I learned and started listening to people's stories about how they always kind of felt different, you know, not like other people and, we're very sensitive to the area that you're in. It almost kind of explained a lot to me and I was just kind of like, aha, okay, mm. I'm in the right place now. <laughs> the synchronicities yeah. just happen and you're like, okay, yeah, I feel like I, I understand. Yes. Yeah. And that's been, that was the biggest thing with that growth was the synchronicity, all um, the little circles and the people mm. and and the research, how it all came together, um, the biggest thing was the timing, you know, all the time with it. Because I would research a certain person mm-hmm. or, you know, try to. There was one in particular couple that's buried in the grove. Um, they were killed in a train accident. They were driving across the train tracks mm-hmm. and a train hit them. They were trying to make it before. And um, I searched and searched and searched for information on more information. All we had was a death certificate that said that it was an auto train accident. Uh, For the longest time, I was researching something completely different. I found an article about them. And that just seems to be how it, yeah, all of it has just kind of come together. And that's why we named it The Path to Bachelor's Grove because we always felt that was our path as well. Yeah, I get it. I understand. That's that's a a rather remarkable story. I mean, especially from a place that, uh, you know, you visit for the first time and you automatically feel a connection with. Um, I know what you're talking about. I felt that connection too. Certainly. Um, New Orleans for me. um, I don't know. It's about something about that area. As soon as I started walking down the street, it's like what you said, like you're walking on electricity. Um, right. Yeah, it's really weird. Very, yeah. And for like a couple of weeks afterwards, I was charged up, right? Not eat, yeah, yeah, supercharged, like not eating as much, very energized. And yeah, it's crazy. Carl and I talked about it. He, you know, like I said, he had been going there for some time before he met me. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, when I told him how I was feeling, you know, he was like, I know, because I felt the same when I first came here, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, tell us a little bit about Bachelors Grove. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about the history about this place? Um, yeah, it's um, I'm I'm a big history buff, so most of my stuff is like haunted history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into the genealogy with Bachelors Grove because uh, this particular graveyard is a one-acre plot, and it's about mm-hmm. uh, an hour south of Chicago in the suburbs in Midlothian, Illinois. And what it is, it's a Cook County, in the Cook County Forest Preserve. 
but um, it was at one time a working family farm. So no one knows exactly when it began. Mm. Um, there are some of the older people that said that it, they had headstones back in like 1832. Yeah. But the problem with the cemetery was it was never officially declared a cemetery. Um, the people that are buried in there are some of the founding members of like Blue Island, uh, Tinley Park, and uh, those surrounding you know communities there. And what it was, we believe, is that there was a farm there. And back then, that's what you did. You didn't, there weren't cemeteries. <laughs> they, you just buried your people at the edge of the on your farm or, you know, wherever. Yeah. And um, so that's how it started. And it never, um, it was always family cared for. Uh, I've spoken to family members of people that are buried in there and they always remember it as a beautiful place. Uh, there's the quarry pond that sits right next to it. Mm -hmm. There's a stream that runs on the, I believe it's the, the west fence, not with the directions, um, <laughs> but they used to come and she said she remembers her grandmother is, was buried in there and they would come on Sundays, they would take care of the, their plots and then they would have a picnic lunch there with other families uh, from the community. So, uh, but it in the 60s and 70s was badly vandalized. They, uh, the path that is now goes to the cemetery from the main road, uh, it's about a quarter of a mile long mm -hmm. and it used to be a working road. But sometime in the early 60s, they shut it off, they shut it down. Uh, it used to go past the cemetery and out uh, to the river of the creek. And what they did was they shut that road off for use and what it became is it's nestled in this forest preserve. So it became the local teenage hangout. Um, <laughs> and out of, they say, about 200 graves, there are only 20 stones left. Really? So, yeah, that's how bad the vandalism was horrific. It was, um, you know, covered with beer cans in the 70s. Uh, they didn't have all of the people that were taking care of it, the family and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, they were getting too old to be able to do that. And, you know, there weren't as many relatives left as the years went by. And um, so it kind of fell into bad disrepair. Now they've had groups, volunteer groups that have helped uh, clean it up and get it to the point where it is now. It's, you know, regularly mowed by the forest preserve mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, but it just was so badly damaged that um, we're not even sure where all the headstones went, but it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. What some of them, they, some people say there should, there are some in the quarry pond, um, but we're not quite sure. Actually, they have had two stones returned uh, in the past, I'd say five years. Yeah. Have located locally. Yeah. Another guy that is involved with the cemetery um, brought back, Two headstones, so that was wow. That was a plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course. I yeah, it's just it's a shame to see uh, you know an area like that desecrated, uh, you know, yeah. especially with people that are you know uh, laid to rest. Of course, you know yeah. that, that there's a certain level of respect that you want to kind of give, and you don't want any unresting souls. You know, of course, you know no. that's just a recipe for disaster. Unfortunately, um, well, that's what Bachelor's Grove is. It is like a perfect storm on him. You know, they've had uh, evidence of satanic rituals out there. Um, of course, the desecration, and you've got the quarry pond right there, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, the running water, and, um, you know, the haunting stories started more in the 60s and 70s, but it goes way back to the 30s. There was a local bar um, where people would hang out was about maybe a mile away and it was called the Bachelor's Grove Hall. Okay. And uh, it was like the place to go in the area. They had live bands and all that. And we met a gentleman who was in his 90s who actually used to go there. And he said it was the thing to do to, after a night of drinking and partying, and you're trying to get close to, you know, the girl you're with or whatever, you take a walk to the cemetery and tell ghost stories. Right, right. So we believe that's kind of where it started. 
um, right around the same time, it ran in Ripley's Believe It or Not column, oh. that it was called Bachelor's Grove, and there were females buried inside there. Mm. Um, and we think maybe uh, Ripley was, Robert Ripley had gone there, actually, because the Midlothian Golf Club is only a few miles away, and at the time, that was like the big thing to do. He was an avid golfer. Right, right. So... Wow. So there's a lot of connection with that. I mean, this sounds like this place, like you said, is a, a perfect storm for the paranormal. What was the um, very first paranormal experience that you had there when you first got there? Um, you know, I, I'm one, I've not had any, I've never seen an apparition. Mm-hmm. I've never seen, I've had things happen to me that it's more like I said, the synchronicity. Right. It's like, wow, meeting certain people. Right. Um, my partner, Carl, is the one who has had more of the, um, the seeing some things and experiences mm-hmm. in there. Um, there was uh, a time where we went in there. It was my birthday. And he had not been feeling well for some time, mm-hmm. feeling off. And he was having these electronic issues at home. Uh, one night we were sitting home at, at his place and I can't remember how it goes, but I think it was like the TV was on and the DVD player, but it was playing the t- sound from the TV show, not the DVD or something like that. It wasn't right. And I don't know much about that stuff. All I know is he said it shouldn't be able to do that. Right. Um, he ordered a tablet so that we could uh, take some of these apps out you know, in the field and, and use them. And um, it didn't work <laughs> immediately. And the guy told him, you know, he'd sold like 500 of them. He'd never had a problem with one. Wow. Um, but he believes he had an attachment oh, so he from did. there. And so on our birthday, again, yeah, he was unusually crabby, <laughs> you know, for a while, just very not himself. Yeah. And uh, so we go to the cemetery. He got his tablet and um we had used at the time echo box was the big app that was you know all the rage um and we, we were sitting in the cemetery with this couple and um he asked you know do i have an attachment it was a little bit you know into the session and it came back immediately yes yes and you know he freaked a little bit and he was just started with uh you know uh, free will get out of me all of a sudden, when we all heard this, there was this pop, uh, almost like a gunshot. Really? And, um, and that was it. Um, we've always believed that there's a type of portal outside mm-hmm. the, um, the gate of Bachelor's Grove. Uh, and after discussing with other people and whatnot, um, we think that was whatever it was leaving. And it left fast and out this portal and that's what we believe that noise was and i was a witness to that i just i believe that some people have that ability to have those experiences they see and some don't and i just think i've tried so hard (laughs) (laughs) you know i've been so many places and i've seen some incredible things as far as like um, you know those boxes and the replies but i've never had like a I like to say moment. Yeah. I like to say spirits are like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get. So and at the same time, you never know which one is going to show themselves to you either. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. yeah, it's, it's amazing when you have that experience. Um, uh, it definitely changes you. Uh, and um, you do look at the, uh, the world at a different uh, type of way. Um, it does change your perspective, a lot about, uh, you know, in life. Um, because you know that you know you're not alone anymore, and you know you know there is some type of afterlife after this. You know this is all we have here is energy. Obviously, you know we're we're, we're dealing with what we have now. But we're not. You know we die, yes, but our our energy doesn't die. So uh, it's a, it's kind of a amazing thing to see that. Yeah, yeah, no, it is it absolutely is. So let's switch gears here. So um, you know, Bachelor's Grove obviously left a very uh, significant um, impression it's, on you. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's such an incredible place. I could talk for hours about that place and yeah. just the multiple phenomena that's been reported there. And uh, 
I had an incident once. I went in there by myself, mm -hmm. and I was fine when I got there. Mm -hmm. um, Carl was working that day, and I just hadn't had off. And I um, got down to the creek because I, I like water. I'm a water person, and um, I got down there, and all of a sudden, I just got this overwhelming feeling of sadness. And for the rest, I had to leave. I started crying. And I mean, like, almost hysterically crying. I called him. I went home. And it continued for the rest of the night. And I don't, that's not like me. I mean, I didn't see anything, but there was definitely something weird that day. I think being in there alone, I didn't go back in there alone. <laughs> I like to think that's something residual that, that was happening, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yes. residual negativity. Yeah, because it was very intense. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And then the only other thing I ever saw was we watched a guy come in. And have you ever been there? No. no right? No. So you go, yeah, so it's a forest preserve. And you have to park, like, across the street. Gotcha. And then you cross this really busy road mm -hmm. to find the path that used to be. Road. and you walk past down this path about a quarter of a mile and the cemetery is off to the right well you can continue it being a forest preserve um there are paths and trails all back in there but it's nothing but woods and one day I was standing in the center of the cemetery with a couple of friends and this guy comes in fully dressed in a suit with a briefcase and a phone i mean shiny shoes all of the tie he walks past the cemetery. He never came out. We were there for hours, and he never came out. And there's nowhere else to come out of. No, <laughs> there's yeah. no other. I mean, there is, but it's really rough terrain. Right. I mean, even like, like in, in some in business shoes would be right. Yeah. So that was just bizarre, you know. Hmm. Just the kind of stuff that happens there. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. I mean, I would really love to get out there one day. Uh, let's switch gears a bit, though, and let's talk about uh, the haunted Joliet prison. And um, this is a long expedition that you had with this place. So this is not like, a, oh, I spent a weekend here and, you know, this is some evidence that I found. Um, this yeah. is over a long period well, of time, right? It was, yeah, and it was still the same thing. I, I you know, the we had gone in May of 2014. Right. Um, there is what they call Joliet Ironworks. It's a, a state park. And it being not, not being from Chicago, I had heard of the prison, mm -hmm. um, but didn't know much about it other than it was in the Blues Brothers <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the movie and that it was a pretty bad place. Right. So um, we go to meet these people at this state park and like I said that was still early on and I'm I like to photograph it's like my main thing um and so I kind of wandered off from the group in this thing and I knew there were train tracks on the other side of this like stretch of trees right. and so I find this path and I go through to this train tracks and I'm looking down and when I looked up I saw one of the guard towers of the prison and I was just like, wow, what is that? I didn't know what it was. Right. Um, so I go around and I saw a hole in the fence. Right. But I started to go through and I was like, I better go get Carl first. <laughs> you know, it could be dangerous. Yeah. And uh, so we went back and we got some people and we, you know, went in and around. And this was before they started the current restorations on it. It was really run down at the time and, um, you know, in there vandalizing and whatnot um, yeah. so we go in we follow it all the way around to the front and the doors are open mm. we're like wow this is really cool and i'm yeah. taking pictures and we're going through and um the big iron door was open as well so carl immediately took off into the prison i'm a little more scared <laughs> because <laughs> i know the dangers of being in an old place, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, I finally get up, you know, the nerve to go through these iron gates and um, to uh, Illinois Department of Corrections officers <laughs> coming <laughs> out with big pump shotguns. Really? And they looked at me. Yes, I have pictures of this. Oh a picture 
It's hilarious. They come through and tell our, you know, us and me and my friends, they're like, what are you guys doing in here? It's dangerous. You can't be in here. So we turned around and everybody went out. They were very nice. And some other friends of ours had happened to come around to the front gate. And actually, we have a picture of us coming out of the prison. Oh, I'd be escorted by the IDAC <laughs> officers. <laughs> what yeah, a so it, you laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, who gets thrown out of one of the most notorious prisons in the world? Yeah, yeah by cops. <laughs> by, by the cops, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were very friendly. Yeah. No. They, I, I believe they... They knew we weren't causing any trouble. You Every know, we time I've gone to this place and there's been cops there, I've I've always had good experiences. As long as you go up to them and you explain yeah. to them what you're doing, yeah. they're cool about it. If you try to right. be you know kind of half shady about what you're doing, that's yeah. where things can can I get kind of hairy. But um, exactly, yeah. We were just like we're just taking pictures. <laughs> we swear <laughs> we're not doing anything. Right. The funniest right. thing was is we never even saw their van that was sitting. Oh, sitting there the whole time. There was a big van, yeah, and um, they got in their van, and we left through the hole in the fence we came in. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah that's wow. a great story. So going into Joliet um, Prison, uh, so I, you, like you said, it was a dilapidated, uh, very rundown area. Uh, what was uh, what was your first uh, paranormal experience there? I mean, did you have anything that ever happened to you in that prison at all? No. Mm -mm. No, I haven't had any experiences in there. Um, what drew me to it was its history. Um, there's been some really dark thing. It had a dark history. Um, and once again, to just feel it. Um, I immediately, when we went home that afternoon, I started um, researching it. And, um, you know, learning about there was a warden's wife in 1915 that was murdered on the second floor. Uh, back then, the law stated that you had to, uh, the warden had to live on premises. Mm -hmm. So the administration building in the front um, was the second, third, and fourth floors of that were the warden's quarters. Mm -hmm. And um, this particular warden was, uh, his name was Edmund Allen. And when he came in, he was a reformist. He believed uh, that the prisoners should be, um, if you treat a man, you know, decently and you give him a little TLC, that every person was um, able to turn their life around and be a productive citizen, whether it be released from prison or there. And, um, you know, because a lot of them, that's where all the hardened <laughs> criminals went yeah. to Joliet right, right. and uh, it was notorious for its conditions mm. um, and the corruptness of the place. Multiple murders, um, you know, people escaping and murder there. Um, and, you know, I what I did with the book is because I have not had experiences, mm -hmm. it includes a lot of other people's experiences that they had, and I kind of coordinated it with the, the history. history right, um, right. Yeah, and, and try to piece it like um, the, they say that they there have been reports of seeing a form walking on the second floor wow. from outside the prison. Mm. So, you know, to me, that would be her, um, you know, the circumstances around when she was murdered um they never really figured out who did it there was a man that was convicted but there are a lot of people believe that it wasn't him so mm. it's um, a lot of a crazy story sounds like yeah yeah. Uh, yeah 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 and it was crazy of course back then too you know there were people that didn't like the way this guy ran the prison, it had gone from being a very strict disciplinarian place where they weren't even let out except oh. one day a year um, oh. out of their cells. Yeah. And um, there were, at one point, they had holes in the prison yard and they would stick you down in those. Um, really? You know, inmates, famous inmates. Committing suicide, lots of suicides there. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the stories Children, I talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
please tell me about the story. Uh, well, there was a, I'm not exactly sure what time period it was, um, but there were three officials that were um, high up and had worked with the prison for a very long time. Their suicides were within four months of each other. Four months. And, uh, yeah, and uh, the one guy, you know, he was an older gentleman. Um, he was very well off, had done well for himself. He had a large family. Um, there was no reason for it to happen. Um, my belief with the prison is that it has to do with um, the prison was built in 1858. And they came from, they sent prisoners from southern Illinois up to Joliet. And they literally mined limestone wow. from the ground that it was on. Yeah. They picked the yeah <laughs> so they picked yeah. the spot because there was a huge bedrock of limestone underneath of it there's no way they could tunnel out right. um plus the bones of the whole you know uh, that energy the whole building yeah the limestone just is limestone yeah all yeah. the cells oh. everything and so that's that's what i think that it has to be i mean how there's a lot of theories out there about limestone and, you know, the way it holds the water. And mm -hmm. um, I really believe there's something to that because um, I do too. I've never seen anything, but I can tell you being in there, even being close to that place, it's just like you can feel it. Wow. You so this book is, yeah, so this book that you, you compiled together, which is um, all the stories of the hauntings of people that you've known that had, um, you know, some type of, um, you know, event that's happened there, uh, correlating yeah. that with, of course, the historical uh, nature of this place. Uh, what was the most surprising thing that you were able to link together uh, from an experience to something that you researched and you're like, damn, I, I that's, that fits too easy. Yeah. How so, incredible is this? Yeah. So the story that started it all, the research, one of the very first stories, and this, again, the synchronicity. Mm -hmm. So shortly after this first visit mm -hmm. at Joliet Prison, um, someone through our Facebook page contacted Carl, and she said, I have this tub of paranormal books in my car trunk that I've had forever. Would you like to have them? We were like, yeah, we'll come get them right now. So we drove and we're sitting at home going through them. Um, and there was a book called Chicago Land Ghosts. And uh, it was just, a, I think, a little self-published book. And it had a story. The guy was from Joliet that wrote it. And one of the stories, the biggest stories that was in it is The Singing Ghost. Uh, not too far from... Um, the prison right. was a potter's field and anyone who died, uh, you know, in on prison grounds and went unclaimed by family or anybody else, they were buried in the cemetery. Um, it's been known as Monkey Hill Cemetery, but no one's quite sure where that name came from. Um, but in 1932, in July, uh, a guy was coming through from fishing one night. Mm -hmm. And a voice asked him, uh, you know, how'd you do or um, how was, you know, it was something like that. And uh, when he turned to answer, there was no one, no one there. Wow. So he took off. And shortly after that, maybe a night or two, um, what happened was there was a, a neighborhood that kind of bordered the field mm -hmm. that the Potter's Field was in, a community. And one of the women was in the backyard and heard this singing. And it was like opera, beautiful voice singing. It sounded like um, church hymns wow. uh, or something. And yeah. so that's where it started. And what happened was it snowballed. Uh, they started recording this in the paper and people started coming by the thousands from all <laughs> over the place. And it would repeat every night. They would, you know, late at night, sometimes around 11, midnight, uh, sometimes it wasn't till later, but it, it was this, this singing, singing, singing. Um, everybody, they got posses together. Uh, they tore up trees and stuff trying to find this. Nobody could figure out what it was. 
Um, so this is going on. Uh, but one of the biggest connections I found that I thought was pretty cool, uh, what they ended up saying is that the quarry that where they had dug all of the you know, material for the jail, um, there was a guy who went out there, they said, and he was saying it was him. Now, mind you, this is about a mile away from where the quarry is. Okay. And that was the explanation. You know, they came up with it, the sheriff and the current um, warden. And they said, this is our guy. He's been singing. He gets scared down at the quarry pumps, you know, so he sings Christian hymns uh, to, you know, keep himself you know, not scared. <laughs> but the thing is, is that there are very large generators that run some kind of pump hmm. in there. Why did they never hear that? You right. know, right. just the voice. Right. And two, really they you know they looked people like i said they there was an article where they were talking about these guys got together with clubs and you know god knows what else yeah. <laughs> going after yeah. trying to find who this person was right, right and you know they never did yeah. um but when i started digging um i started reading there was a, a there's a book that a woman wrote about one of the later wardens uh, warden reagan and he took over for the uh, warden that was the current warren, war, uh, sorry, warden mm -hmm. during this singing phenomenon. Gotcha. Well, he wrote down because he was, this guy was like the, he was very, he was there for a long time. He was one of the best wardens they had. Gotcha. Um, they asked him to come in, step in because things were really bad uh, at the prison. And he actually wrote in the diary about how bad the conditions were and how corrupt it was. He went in and he was uh, so blown away that in the prison yard, they had actually constructed uh, shacks. Some of them said no officers. Yeah, uh, basically the prisoners had run of the inside of the prison. Um, they were, he said <laughs> there were noticeable stills growing alcohol. Wow. Uh, and marijuana plants everywhere. There you go. Um, so that's why they had asked this new guy to come in and they forced the other guy out. And my theory is that, you know, they got so overwhelmed with what was going on there. They just needed a, yeah. they needed an answer to stop it all because people were really losing it. Um, uh, <laughs> I read an article where uh, a local priest was saying he was at a loss how to, some people were coming to him and just like, really, you know, back then it was, they were afraid. Yeah, I could imagine if they were. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, yeah, I mean, a place like that, especially with so much history, uh, you know, you're talking about to, you know, the early 1800s. I mean, so much things have passed and gone on in there. Uh, it, it just the energy. And then you're talking about the, you know, the limestone uh, on top of it, capturing all that energy, amplifying it, and then you know, having all that negative energy in one spot. I can only imagine how that place could only be just like a tuning fork for like the paranormal. There. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know, some of the, the first executions in Illinois in the electric chair was done there. Really? So, yeah. yeah. And it was a triple execution. Um, and, hmm. you know, there, I think they have a confirmed 12 that were executed in the old prison mm -hmm. through the electric chair. Before that, they, you know, was hanging, but they did that locally um, at the Cook County Jail, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the stories that linked to the singing ghost was uh, the very first, uh, his name was George Chase, and he had hit one of the guards over the head trying to escape, and the guy died a few days later. So he was sentenced to die. And the crazy thing is, is that back then, um, you know, they kind of constructed uh, kind of makeshift gallows for them. When they did these things, with this guy, they didn't even construct a gallow. They sat him in a chair, and the noose was literally tied to, like, sandbags on the other end. And they were dropped, and it literally shot him up. Shot him up. 
Right. Yeah. So, you know, on top of being executed, that's a pretty horrific um, time. But the connection came because he is buried in the Potter's, some, uh, Potter's field where the phenomenon from the singing ghost happened. And um, he was, uh, it was July 27th when that happened. And that's around the same date that this was going on. It was July of 1932. So I thought that was kind of, you know, weird. I don't know why he would be singing, but, um, you know, the cemetery itself uh, had multiple recordings of, you know, things being seen. There were two gentlemen that walked past one afternoon and saw a man dressed in full Confederate garb sitting on one of the headstones. Just sitting there. Yeah, if that doesn't pull, you know, a little uh, chill up your spine, I don't know what will. I mean, <laughs> absolutely, exactly. And so that was the first one that that kind of sucked me in. And when I started reading, you know, all the stuff that went on there, um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty brutal place. Yeah, it's yeah. An, it's an amazing thing that you're able to actually connect the events to the paranormal, you know, things that are happening there to the history. Uh, yeah. that's that's the most important thing and that's the most um i think the most important part of this whole exercise is because you're you're piecing together what's happening and what's happened before uh you know comparative to what people are seeing as well because you know as you know or you know uh, may not know you know i you know many people believe that these paranormal things that are happening are residual energies so these yeah. things are continually happening over and over and over again and that's what people are seeing and they don't understand why they're seeing this and then you come in and you start kind of piecing the, the you know pieces of the puzzle together and you kind of unlifting the veil as to why this is happening. So I think right. that's the most important part of this whole thing. And it's amazing that you put it all in one book. I mean, how many different uh, experiences were you able to put in this whole book? Um, there's, I'd say 10 to 15. 10 to 15. Um, yeah, because it's like, you know, I kind of go through first the history. Um, there's a women's prison across the street that they built. Uh, and it's just an incredible story of the stuff that went on in there. I mean, I know I've been to Eastern State Penn as well here. In Isn't Stateville not far from there either? Stateville? Yeah, Stateville, right? Isn't Stateville? Is, yeah, so Stateville was actually is only for and three quarters miles away from the old facility. Uh, Stateville was built and opened in 25, and it was built to replace the old jail. It was already out of, uh, you know, how do I want to put it? It it was falling apart already. Um, Yeah, they were, it was pretty brutal (laughs) with all that limestone Mm. is one of it holds an incredible amount of water. And uh, so the cells were, that's all they were. They were very small. Uh, there were two people in there and uh, it was a very damp, you know, not a good place to be. Oh, um, horrible. And then when I was writing this, um, I got sick and I was in the hospital for about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought a guy in that was next to me and don't you know he was in that prison? Get <laughs> I, out of here! Not kidding. Yeah. Went was in the hospital in the end of um, April, not April, uh, February, uh-huh. and uh, I literally was talking on the phone about the book and because I was just finishing up with it and worried, you know, with my health and everything, mm-hmm. if I was going to be able to finish in time. And um, he had overheard me. And uh, his story is pretty incredible too. <laughs> so I mean, to me, that is incredible. Yeah. I, you know, that I went somewhere and you know was sick, and this guy's like, "Hey, did you say you're writing a book? I was in there. <laughs> oh my goodness!" Again, the yeah. synchronicities, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you know, life is about that. That's what life is about. People don't realize. Absolutely. It's, it's really and about it's, that. Yeah. It, it kind of affirms that you're on the right path. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, it still happens. Exactly. It, it does. You know, with this book, um, there have been some, you know, it, 
really was kind of the first time I had ever done it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with my health was not so good and just some other stuff that was going on. I've been through a lot, you know, in the writing of the book. Right. Um, and right when I would want to be like, you know, forget it, I'm not doing this, something would happen. Right. And it would just be a sign to me, you know, keep to going. Continue. And yeah, we did. So. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm glad you're so did. proud of it. Yeah, you should be. I mean, that's a lot of energy that you put into it and a lot of research. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of, you know, a willpower to do that. And uh, again, I, I do nothing but commend you for doing that. Um, Wendy, if you could tell me and my listeners, where could they find, I know this book is coming out September 21st, but mm-hmm. where can they find it or where can they pre-order it? Uh, tell Amazon.com. There it is. Right? Uh, it's yep. It's <laughs> available for pre-order now, um, and it comes out. It releases September 21st. Right. Uh, I'm going to be doing some appearances and whatnot um, in September and October. I do have a couple in October. Uh, I will be doing some library uh, presentations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have like a PowerPoint and talk a little bit, and I'll have books. You know, at certain places they'll be able to. Uh, through my Facebook page for Haunted Joliet Prison Book, I'll, uh, you know, I'll have a list of events where people can come out, and and I'm hoping uh, we're working on a book release party uh, at this prison itself. So. Oh my god, that would be <laughs> yeah, a, and that needs yeah, to be documented. Yeah. You need to put that live on Facebook or something. Oh, absolutely. We um, I've worked closely with the historical society. Okay. Um, a lot of the photos, historical photos and stuff, came from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's was my goal too. Uh, they run the tours through that. It began in 2018. Um, they really started doing the restoration and raising money. So now they do tours. Um, they actually just announced that they do investigations now again because mm-hmm. they weren't doing them for a long time. And um, so that was really my goal with this book was to do a haunted history book, but also to give um, you know, some of the people that do the tour, a more in-depth look at what went on there and, um, you know, it what its like, history was. Yeah, it seems like you breathed new life into this place, and now that it's yeah. starting to kind of uh, blossom now with, uh, you know, it you know being opened up for paranormal tours and things like that, yeah. it must be a wonderful feeling when you know you've done something positive like that. And you know, I, I'm amazed still. Because if you would have asked me, even five years ago, that I would write a book, I'd be like, no, I could never do that. Um, But I did it. And it's, yeah, it does. It's a good feeling. It's an accomplishment, you know. And um, with the book, I've really promoted and tried to promote the the restoration. Because I, you know, even with the cemetery, we tried to do that as well. But um, it just... There's so much red tape when it comes to some things. So, yeah. um, but always believe in giving back. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I want this book to be something that, uh, you know, they can, they can use there and, and to promote. And I always thought before they started doing these tours, I was convinced that they were going to tear it down really? because it was in such, yeah, because it was in such district care and, um, so many different people wanted to do different things with it, and it just never, nothing ever happened, and it just was slowly going downhill. Um, they had a fire in there that destroyed some of the early buildings, um, wow. some kids messing around, and I think that woke them up, the city, uh, you need to do something with this, yeah. or it's you know just going to be gone, mm-hmm. and it'll be too late to do anything. So I'm really glad that they you know, saw the, and, and they've come a long way, the, the historical museum, uh, they've been in charge of, you know, running the tours and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and they've done such a fantastic job. They really right. have. No, that's wonderful, and I'm glad to see that you were able to, you know, shine uh, this light on this particular place and, and allow people to see for, you know, it for what it really is, you know, a historical monument, and um, yeah. a lot of, you know, uh, things happen there that, you know, need to still be documented still properly um, and yeah. things need to be restored properly at that uh, individual you know, place. And um, I'm glad that you were able to, to shine a light on that. And I'm glad you were able to come out with this book and really, you know, highlight this and uh, put it out there again, September 21st, you can find it uh, on amazon.com. 
Uh, make sure you check out Haunted Joliet Prison. And uh, yeah, uh, Wendy, you have been a absolutely, you know, blessing to have on the podcast. A great, great guest. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm a little new to this and, um, you know, any opportunity I get, it's a blessing. So absolutely. I thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hey, listen, thanks so much again for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. And then once you uh, come out with the book, we're going to have you back on so we can promote it again, okay? Absolutely. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, Wendy. Listen, thank you again for coming on tonight. I really do appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Have a good night. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Miss Wendy Moxie Rowe. And, of course, uh, you can go uh, to Amazon and find all of her books. And, of course, well, her first book, uh, Haunted Joliet Prison uh, on Amazon. Uh, it'll be coming out September 21st. So make sure you get on that pre-order list and go uh, check out also pathtobachelorsgrove.com. That's um, a website that was dedicated to uh, Wendy's first uh, foray into the paranormal at Bachelors Grove Cemetery. So make sure to go ahead and check that out. So um, that's it for uh, the outro, Jay. Uh, before we say goodbye to everybody, uh, we always do a little what to watch. Uh, so what do you have uh, this week, Jay, for what to watch? I have an old school callback, and then I have a newer Netflix special. So nice. Uh, we'll start with the, the old school callback. Big Bang Theory. Uh, I know I've I've said what to watch in the past, and that's how good it is. I'm bringing it back up. I have had it on in the background when I've been doing things lately. Yeah. And because uh, I've seen so many, I don't actually need to watch it. And just listening to listening to it, I'm actually chuckling out loud. <laughs> I forgot how funny that that show was. Yeah. So uh, definitely check out uh, Big Bang Theory, various internet and webbers places yeah he's chuck Lorre. i mean the guy's the a, he's a genius man that guy's a genius he produces some of the best yeah, yeah, tv yeah. shows ever you know yeah and all the um all the math on the boards was actually real like it was all actual math yeah yeah <laughs> only they it's would put something insane. like yeah keep something like that you know what i mean that's a really good it's attention to detail insane. yeah yeah so uh that's pretty cool and then on netflix on Netflix, there's a new series out called Space Force. Yes, I've heard of it. And it's fucking hilarious. It's with Tim it's Robbins, hilarious. right? Uh, Adam, yeah. And uh, Adam, Adam, uh, what is his name? Adam Carell. He plays a general who ends up. He was in the Air Force, but now he's the first general of Space Force, and he's trying to get this new branch of the military service off the ground, but he's so intense on being a general. Mm-hmm. Like, everything he does and says, like, if he's even, like, asking to get the laundry done, he's, <laughs> we got a whole laundry! It's just everything, talk, it's like everything he says, he just talks about, he's very intense, but it's fucking hilarious. You know, the side note to that show, um, you know that uh, I heard there was a story that the government might actually have to sue to get the name Space Force because Space Force was actually copyrighted by the movie first before the space force thing was actually set up by our government so they might actually have to sue them to get the day back you know that ha, 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 ha. <laughs> i thought that it was hilarious like, you know I, I thought that was a That's funny. funny yeah 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 but yeah i've heard good things about it man a lot of people have told me a lot of good things and said it's very funny so i'm gonna definitely check it out uh, so thanks jay for those two for uh what to watch i want to add one in there a little uh side note jay if i could little uh you know extra uh unsolved mysteries on netflix um it's a throwback to, yes. to the old school one but it's just like redone and uh with a little bit of uh, yeah yeah just, you know they just redid it with an extra little nice coat coat of paint with some new stories um nothing paranormal yet but a lot of good true crime and uh there was one ufo one which was pretty interesting so it's only six episodes deep um it's been doing great on netflix everybody's been talking about it i definitely recommend it so Check that out. Uh, definitely uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Definitely it's uh, one to watch. So so that's it, Jay. Uh, let's uh, say uh, goodnight to everybody. Thanks so much for joining in on Dark Fringe Radio. Goodnight to everybody. Goodnight to everybody. <laughs> and uh, just wanted to remind everybody, of course, uh, if you want to send in any kind of correspondence or you want to be a guest on the show, you can send that to us directly at 
thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Uh, anything else to add there for the outro, Jay? Just be real, be fun, and be alive. There you go. That's good, man. I like that. Those are good. three good things I think we kind of always uh, take for granted. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, listen, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, episode with Miss Wendy Moxie Rowe. Again, I am Will Martinez for Dark Fringe Radio and my co-host, Jay Galosi. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Keep it.